When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to cfact.org. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. Before getting to today's interview, I want to extend my gratitude to you all who wished me kind thoughts and regards regarding my new position with Independent Women's Forum. It's not really a departure from what I was doing, but now I'm kind of like the manager of these portfolio set of issues and I'll be able to engage more. You may see me on TV, in the halls of Congress more, in committee hearings and be out there to talk about these issues, especially as it relates to women and even not to women, to men, of course, um, but primarily trying to channel these issues more to women. Nothing's going to stop here on the podcast. We're still going to go full throttle. That's the beauty of me having taken this role. I accepted it on the condition that I could still do my other projects, and we will be able to continue to do that, including this show, my column, and all Conservation Nation video subject matters and Anything that I currently do uh, is not going to go changed whatsoever. But today, we're going to talk about rodeo. Now, you might be thinking, why is rodeo being lumped in with conservation? Why is this subject something Gabriella is discussing, that I'm discussing? There are a lot of parallels between those who oppose hunting and fishing and those who also oppose rodeo and animal agriculture. The opposition are led by the same groups and individuals. They may tailor their tactics a little differently, but it's all one and the same in terms of strategy and eliminating these really important facets of society, animal agriculture to hunting and fishing through the efforts of groups. And why I'm talking about this now, soon we're going to be seeing potentially the city of Los Angeles enact an outright ban of rodeo. Rodeo has been a very popular activity in my home state. Rodeo brings a lot of people. It's a very popular sport across the different kind of elements there. PBR is a very popular venue and format for people. People, millions watch it. People go to PBR related events in Vegas and all over the country and even non PBR related events, other types of rodeos like that being proposed in San Diego at Petco Park where the Padres play. I used to go there on occasion. And it's a beautiful ballpark, very scenic, very beautiful. And they want to bring rodeo there too, but they're facing the same opposition from PETA and other animal welfare law outfits. And so I brought on today, Dave Duquette of Western Justice, and he is going to talk about this threat, why sportsmen and women should care, um, especially if you care about animal well-being and, and hunters and anglers do, as do farmers and ranchers. But Dave Duquette, says that he's a loud and clear voice of reason for agricultural and rural rights in the U.S. With a passion for rural American causes, Western Justice, the Western Justice founder has expertise fighting some of the toughest battles in agriculture. He has a career spanning 
efforts as an animal welfare and agriculture advocate starting over two decades ago. He was a Marine. He's built several businesses and has a horse training facility in Northeast Oregon. So this group, Dave Duquette's group, is fighting to the nail to ensure that the Western way of life, cowboy, cowgirl interests, rural interests, in fact, are protected. And so I don't want to take any more time away with introductions. I'm going to hand it over to Dave Duquette. I hope you guys enjoy this interview and learn from it and see the parallels between what rodeo and animal agriculture are facing to what sportsmen and women are also facing as well. Dave, thank you so much for joining District of Conservation. Good to have you on. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Gabrielle. Could you give my listeners a bit of your background and talk about your involvement in maintaining the Western way of life, rodeo, et cetera, please? Well, uh, I, I've been a lifelong uh, horseman and horse trainer. Um, I spent a few years in the Marine Corps, and that kind of gave me a little different perspective on how to fight and how to protect things. And when I started noticing when I got about 40 years old, I, I started noticing how the animal rights groups were trying to uh, take away my lifestyle. And they were working pretty hard at it. And I knew a lot of great people, big people, um, sold horses to Phil and Penny Knight of Nike, uh, been around some of the biggest people in the horse industry, especially in the Western horse world, which I think there's a lot of very, you know, large players that people have no idea that the horse industry is as big as it is. Um, but anyway, that, that, that's what led me to start to see these bullies in the animal rights groups and how I was going to try to stop them from, from doing what they were doing. And, and I thought, you know, I, I have just enough tenacity. I know just enough big names and people, and I'm just going to go, do it because nobody else was doing it. The big organizations weren't doing it uh, from AQHA to the American Horse Council, who I'm sure, you know, is based in D.C. You know, they were they they sat on the fence all the time uh, on hard issues, tough issues. And they did things that were going to uh, adversely affect the horse industry as a whole and especially the Western horse world. The Western horse world makes up about three quarters of the domestic horses in the United States. And we have no representation in DC. Um, the, the American horse council is, you know, runs the, are is run by the jockey club, which basically runs everything that they want done, but not what is best for the rest of the industry. So, you know, I started Western justice, the legislative fund. I started off with just the legislative fund, which is a C4 to be the voice and advocate for Western lifestyle. It's histories, traditions, it's li- our livelihoods and, you know, help keep it safe for future generations. So Could that's, you... that's good. Oh, no, no, no. Continue. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that's basically where, you know, our, our motto is justice is truth in action. So we, you know, it is, it is kind of funny because I've had people, uh, shy away from our organization because of the name, because everybody's too damn woke anymore. And they shy away from us because of the name. It's too uh, too abrupt, too, you know, confrontational, whatever they want to call it. And uh, it, it's kind of funny because some of the people that have, have done it um, and said that are people who 
make their living off of uh, TV shows that are very abrupt and abrasive and make cowboys look bad. <laughs> so in my estimation, but um, it's kind of funny that those people will, will take that, that name and, and say that it's not the, the right way to be or, or it's too aggressive. I think it's a good name because you get people's attention when you're, you know, named like that. And could you explain some of the organization's goals to those who may be unfamiliar? Well, our our, our main goals really are to protect our lifestyle. There's a there is a the animal rights groups have an all out assault on on animal agriculture. And when I ran, you know, I ran Protect the Harvest for almost eight years. So I, when I was there, we were very spread out at Protect the Harvest. We were very, uh, there was a lot of different things going on and we went a lot of different directions. Um, you know, we secured, uh, I don't know if you saw that, but we secured 13 states attorneys generals to fight back against California and Massachusetts on question three in Massachusetts and proposition 12, two and 12 in California you know, which basically goes against the Dormant Commerce Clause and would make it illegal for you to ship anything to those states that isn't raised to their standards, any animal. So cage-free, all the crazy things that California is doing to ruin our food supply uh, would be in effect for all the way around the country. And and, and to put into context on that, the, the interesting part for me is that I found that I got all the numbers back in about 2000. 13 or 14 on all this um, from a guy that worked in the Department of Ag in in California. And he was very nice and gave me information that maybe he probably shouldn't have. I probably should have had to FOIA it. But it was it, it, it showed that, you know, Proposition 2 was about going to, uh, you know, cage free eggs. And if you don't and Proposition 12 was to protect the, the California producers. Well, Proposition 2 with the cage-free eggs make, make it illegal to have battery cages for, for uh, chickens, laying hens. And then California consumed 9 billion eggs a year at that point. And they, got, they only produced 2 billion eggs a year in state. So they got 7 billion eggs imported from 29 other states. So when they got Proposition 12 passed, that made it so that those 29 states could not ship those 7 billion eggs, which is not insignificant, obviously, and not an insignificant part of your business. So they couldn't ship to California without making them cage-free eggs and aligning. And then the, and then California sent inspectors out. So this is the, these are the kind of you know, inspectors to these states, I should say. And these are the kind of things that the bullying of the animal rights groups, the animal agriculture, and and the and the horse industry is a very low-hanging fruit there and the rodeo world. So because of those, I've I got really passionate about trying to stop these people and, and figure out who they were and expose them expose who they are, why they're doing what they're doing and trying to protect the industry that I love. And that, and since I love protect the harvest, I've come into the, I've came to the realization that I can't be everything to everyone. 
I don't have that kind of money. I don't have that kind of money behind me. So I stuck to where now I'm sticking to the lane that I'm, I should be in, which is the Western horse world, which is where I know the most about whether it's the wild horses, the tribal horses or the domestic horse industry. It's, I know the most about those, those three entities and that's where I'm sticking in my lane. And Western Justice is trying, you know, anything to do with branching. Um, we have right now, um, as an example, um, we have a, a, we're exposing a corruption ring in Idaho that's trying to take ranch. It's the real life Yellowstone. Let's put it that way. Huh. It is the real life, you know, the whole premise behind Yellowstone is that they're going in to take away these people, you know, the the Dutton's ranch and develop it and all that. And everybody's trying to, you know, they're willing to die for it or kill for it or whatever. This is the real life Yellowstone. It's in Idaho. And I have people, investigators that have been in there and gone and gotten way more than the FBI ever got on it. And they've been, the FBI had been on it for a year and a half and were stonewalled. And my my investigators that we hired went in there and found a re, a racketeering situation that's going. It's federal now. It's going federal, but it is going to be probably one of the most corrupt situations we've ever seen in the United States as far as racketeering and going out. And, and it started off as a as a call from a rancher saying. You know, uh, a homesteading rancher in Idaho, his family homestead in the 1800s. And this this rancher calling me and saying, Dave, I, I we're at our wits end. The woman's his wife's crying. Our daughter is crying. And they're they're going, we we don't know what to do. We can't. The judge is corrupt. The, everything is corrupt in this situation. And we don't know how or why what's going on is going on or why they're doing what they're doing. But they're trying to forcibly annex these ranches into the city, which would put them out of business and totally out of business from tax liability. And so they're just they were just totally at their wits end. I go we go in there and start looking around and start doing a documentary about it, thinking that was going to be the way to stop it was to expose it. And we got into a can of worms that we were like, holy crap, this is something else. And it's turned out to be all we thought it was and even more. You know, so there's there's people that have, have done intelligence work and intelligence gathering working on this issue that were have been all over the world doing this stuff and they are um from another country but live here they're american citizens now and they're from a third world country that was very corrupt and this one gal she just goes i've i've seen this kind of corruption in many countries doing intelligence work for the for the military and she said but i've never seen it in the united states like this and her impassioned plea to make something happen. Hopefully we can stop this and thwart it because this is what it looks like in the beginning when a, when a country goes down as they start corruption like this starts to take hold. So it's, it's a, that's, those are the kind of things that I, I love doing. And one of the things we're doing with Western justice and, you know, I'm, I'm, 
I'm not sure if you know, but like the 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 two ranchers that Trump pardoned when I was at Protect the Harvest, I was the one that got Trump put all that together and got Trump to pardon the Hammonds, the two ranchers from Oregon. So those are the kind of things I really like to do with what with what I'm doing. So you know, now I've taken over all of that, or brought all that kind of stuff into Western justice. So everything from dealing with the Horse Protection Act, which it's funny because there's horse organizations like the Jockey Club and the American Horse Council and those groups over there. Even the AQHA has backed up the Horse Protection Act and unwittingly, and they're backing this, this Horse Protection Act where the USDA will come in and inspect at horse shows. That would ruin uh, an industry that's 12 times the size of the NFL. You know, the, the last time they did a study on the horse industry, it was a $122 billion a year industry. Well, politicians hear big numbers all the time. So to put that into context for them, the same year, the NFL was only a $10 billion a year industry compared to the horse industry at 122. And that's, uh, it's probably light right now because that's uh that's a number that's probably fairly light compared to because the price of horses and the horse industry's kind of picked up in the last few years. And, you know, it, the, the craze, the, what I call the third coming of the urban cowboy with the Yellowstone craze, you know, has uh, come into effect. And so there's a lot more people involved in it than there were before. That's a lot of ground that you cover. And I know one of your biggest focuses and how we were connected by a mutual friend is your work to preserve rodeo. Um, And this is obviously happening in my home state of California, unsurprisingly. But I have observed that they have been trying to attack rodeo for several decades. And this is nothing new to me. But to most of my listeners, I think they're just starting to become aware of these attacks on rodeo, specifically in Los Angeles and most recently in San Diego. But could you share um, about your work to preserve rodeo and fight these ordinances that you guys are working on right now? You bet. So about almost uh, two, oh, February, it's three years, uh, a city councilman in, in Los Angeles had decided he was going to try to ban rodeo. And he, so for the, that was in February of 2020. And when, or 2021, it was February, 2021. And he, uh, when he did that, he guised it as saying and said very openly and publicly that he was not trying to ban the sport of rodeo. So stop being hyperbolic about it. Stop, uh, stop doing that because we are um, only trying to ban implements of torture. And that's it. And with the implements of torture deal, they were trying to ban hot shots, uh, bucking plank straps, bucking ropes, uh, bull ropes, uh, spurs, fixed spurs, fixed or sharpened spurs is what they call them. So we went, I built this coalition in, in fe- end of February is when this thing came out. So first of March, I started building this coalition that we call the Western Sports Industry Coalition. This coalition is unlike anything the Western, the horse world's ever seen. And actually, the thoroughbred people have called me and complimented me on putting this together. And 
what it is is it's uh, the reason it's so hard to put something like that together and get all of these organizations out there. People don't. I get a, a lot of people wouldn't realize how many uh, organizations are rodeo type organizations and companies out there that that you know actually have their own association and their own group of people that rodeo and 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 you know because there's the international pro rodeo there's the professional rodeo cowboys association there's the pbr the pro bull riders association there's all these different groups out there and they don't generally work together on anything because they're competing organizations and there's a lot of bad blood between a lot of them because they've been, a lot of them have splintered off from the PRCA, the pro rodeo Cowboys association and made their own little deal because somebody got disgruntled with something that was going on with the PRCA or whatever. So the fact that I have all of those entities in one coalition, over 60 of them, so they're all in one entity in one coalition has been very impactful and very uh, promising for the Western the Western industries, our Western world um, as a whole, because it's brought people together and to the table, and people are a lot less uh, snarky and bitey at each other, for lack of a better way to say it. You know, it's 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 there's a lot more kumbaya in our own industry and our our own little piece of the world, and with that. We started educating all of these council members in the city of LA. And so we started, we started educating. We first we came up with a game plan that everybody got along, everybody agreed on. All these organizations agreed on the talking points we were going to use. So we we've had since middle of March 2021, we've had a Zoom call once a week with this coalition, almost every week. I mean, there's, you know, some holidays and some days, some weeks we get canceled or whatever. But almost every week we have a Zoom call with this coalition for almost, well, for over two and a half years now. And we've put this great team together. Um, it's very cohesive. We work very well. Together. Everybody's working well together. We've all had, there's been a lot of different ideas but nothing that's ever put us in a spot where we weren't working together. So it's been a, it's been a great situation, but we've educated everybody in LA. So now to the education part, we first, cause all of this was done during COVID. We had to do zoom calls, zoom meetings for two, almost two years. That's all we got was zoom meetings. So we, we finally got some in-person meetings this summer, this last summer. And that was it. But the Zoom meetings, we'd had two or three with each city council member's office. And the LA City Council has gone through a lot of changes in this last two and a half years with people getting ousted and, you know, uh, people making racist comments and then getting having to resign. And I, I mean, it's just amazing what the city of LA has gone through, not just their all their troubles, but with just with their city council. So we've had to re-educate new or educate new members. Um, we've done a lot of that. So we've done our due diligence. And when we went in there for our first in-person meetings, we were like, I, all I can liken it to is we were like a breath of fresh air to these city council, these very liberal city council members. We were like a breath of fresh air because we were normal people 
being respectful and going and sitting down and talking to them and saying, hey, this is this is reality. And we're, we're showing them everything, being respectful, all of that. And they ate it up. I mean, they loved it because when you go watch, if you go on the city council meetings every whatever, I think it is on Tuesdays down there, the open meetings, you watch that. And there's people yelling F you to the, the everybody up there. There's people wearing sock puppets, making noise all the whole time. I mean, it is a, a gong show at the L.A. City Council meetings. I mean, it's not even – there's nothing that resembles normalcy there at all. Or decorum. I mean, very little decorum. So when we went in there and did what we did, they were they were, they were just like – eating it up. And so we got that, we got, we felt like we had a really good shot at stopping this whole thing. Then all of a sudden, Blumenfield, the the councilman that's pushing this, has decided that he's losing ground with everybody. So he's going to just go to, and, and back to, you know, one of the things in that equipment, you know, LA is going to have the, the Olympics in 2028 there. Well, if they if they ban fixed spurs, that's what all the jumpers ride, or a lot of the jumpers ride, and the you know and the dressage people, a lot of them don't wear a rowel on their spurs at all. It's just a post spur. Well, that is the epitome of a fixed spur. So they're they were going to ban the Olympic sports in the city of LA when they got the Olympics coming. So we pointed that out to them too. So the Olympic committee came on with us and. The Charos, we have a very diverse group because we've got the Bill Pickett All Black Rodeo Series on our side, the Compton Cowboys, the Buffalo Soldiers. The, so there's three, those are three black organizations. And then we have the Charos, which all the Charos organizations, which is where rodeo started. And actually, rodeo started in LA before California was even a state, part of the United States. Um, with the Mexicans and the, the Charos back then, so they 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 hold a lot of they hold a lot of weight. So we started pushing back pretty hard on that, and then all of a sudden he changes it to where he gets mad. He changes it to where it's just going to be. He's going to change it to where it's just but instead of implements of torture. Now remember, he said he was going to he was only banning torturous implements, not trying to ban rodeo. Well, then he comes out and he says, well, I'm just going to I'm just going to ban uh, rodeo. I'm just going to amend this thing and ban rodeo as it's defined in the state statute, which means three or more of these events in one one thing or in one event. So it's three or more of the different disciplines in, in one event. That's that's what, uh, you know, and it explains the different events in rodeo. So then he figured out that many of the council members we went and had in person said, if he tries to ban just outright ban rodeo, that's a non-starter for us. So he figured that part out. So now he's just going to ban bronc ride, trying to ban bronc riding, bull riding, and calf rope. Well, now he's being very discriminatory. So we we actually already have our our ducks in a row to sue the city of Los Angeles if they do ban rodeo or ban our lifestyle in any way, shape, or form. And people go, well, just let, you know, or just let 
California fall off the, you know, don't don't worry about LA. Let it go. Go somewhere or go somewhere where they want you to be there. That's not the point. We can't let the second largest city in the United States ban our lifestyle without a fight because then it just bleeds out to other ones. So same thing with New York. We've been fighting the, the same kind of thing in New York for the last four years, four or five years. We've been fighting this one council member up there in New York that's tried to ban it. And that's the same thing here in L.A. We One of them's gone that did it three years ago, four years ago. And then they skipped a year and then they came back. This Bloomingfield came back with it. So now, fast forward to why you and me got in contact with each other is San Diego, the Democrat uh, Central Committee of San Diego is calling for banning rodeo because somebody wants to do something that's really cool in San Diego, which is put on a uh, a very large, high-paying rodeo in Padre in the Padre Stadium, and everybody's all excited about it except for this one ideologue member who's convinced the Democrats Central Committee to put their name on it. I, I, I'm surprised that that he was able to, because if you look at his social media, and I've looked him up, we do our due diligence that way. And I've looked him up, and he is a, I mean, animal rights uh, nut. And is, have you looked him up at all, Gabby? Have you looked at that guy? I have seen his resolution language. And just by reading that, I was able to deduce that uh, he is quite misguided and he gets his information from probably the animal. Uh, defense exactly. law fund and PETA types. So yes, no, it's easy to surmise that from his resolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you go look, I mean, he is a, a gong show. If you go look at his social media, it's like everything you would expect that he's going to go after. And he's an attorney. That guy's an attorney that's in the that uh, P's, his last name's P's. But, and it's almost uncanny how much him and Blumenfield look alike. I mean, they look like they're brothers. So I don't know what that means, but it's kind of it's kind of uncanny that they do. But but yeah, that's, so that's where it's that's where we're, we're heading into trying to figure out how to stop them from doing that in, in San Diego. What a what a huge event that'll be in San Diego and bring so much economic impact to the city of I mean, it's going to be a, a probably at least a four or five day event, I would think. I, I I don't know. I haven't looked at the schedule of that event, but from the sounds of it, it's going to be like a, a West Coast American rodeo, like the big one they put on in Jerry Jones's house over there in uh, Texas. So, and it's not a sanctioned event. So it's not sanctioned by the PRCA or any of the other groups. It's a standalone. It's just come come make your money and and their 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 payout is going to be huge. I mean, it's going to be massive. It sounds like, and it's it's really a neat deal. But I yeah, I've been to a few rodeos. I was kind of late to to the game in in visiting and, and attending it because I've just been so busy running my business and doing things. But I grew up near and I, I lived for a time by the San Juan Capistrano 
rodeo. And I, I don't know if it's still active there, but it, it's, oh, it's yeah. a big, it's a big part of the heritage in Southern California, even with its politics and inklings today. Um, and, and I know that people care very deeply about the animals that they're riding because those are expensive horses, steers, bulls, well, like they don't want to endanger them because it's, it's a, a means of making a profit, but also they're very attached to the animals too. I think that's what a lot of these activists fail to understand. Yeah. And, and I think the interesting part is, is people think these bulls are mistreated. These bulls love to get on the bus to come to town and you, you can see it. And, and if you, if you think you can't get or you can get a bull to do anything it doesn't want to do, you're sorely mistaken because that's 2000 pounds of just bad medulla oblongata, you know, kind of a deal. I mean, it's, they could, they could really uh, screw up a lot for you if they didn't want to do what they do. But the, the interesting part for a lot of people is they don't realize that, you know, the average, the average, uh, you know, bovine is not going to live past three years old. I mean, the average is not going to live live past three years old. It's going to become a food source. And these bucking bulls don't even get started bucking until they're three or four and really doing something. And then they, when they get done, if they're, you know, they, they never go to uh, be processed. These bulls, most of them, the 90, probably 90% of them, live out their life at stud, you know, and have a, a bunch of cows to breed. And uh, I mean, after they're done riding, they only, they only work eight seconds at a time. So they're only doing what they're doing for eight seconds. And that's probably once a week. So if you times, even if they were at, which they're never at a rodeo 52 weeks out of the year. So, but if you, you know, you add it up, they got maybe, you know, two hours worth of work in a year to do. And that's about it. So it's a pretty nice life. Same with the horses, you know, the bucking horses. And one of, one of the things that's, uh, that is really a key talking point is these animal rights groups talk about how many deaths and injuries and that we lie about all that stuff, especially in California. It's pretty entertaining to hear them say that. I'd like to see him stand in front of the state vet and have him say that because the interesting part about it is they have to, there has to be, every PRCA rodeo has to have a veterinarian at it. If you're going to be a, a any kind of a sanctioned rodeo, <clears throat> there has to be a veterinarian, state licensed veterinarian there, and they have to check the end. They check the animals before they go in. They check them after they come out for any injuries, whether it's a scratch, uh, you know, a nicked hoof or, or a bloody nose or whatever it is, or, or a broken back or broken leg. They have to report anything to the state veterinarian. They have to make a report and report it. So all of those things get recorded. And when there's the – can you – well – any other any other industry that would have a 0. 0.065 problem or injury rate or uh, if you think of any other kind of business a 0. 0.065 so just over half of a uh, a one percentage point 
is is the are actually one hundredth of a percentage point of all the outs, what we call outs or exposures, you know, with an, which means animals coming out of the chute, whether it's roping, bucking horse, or whatever. There is a 0. .065 injury rate. I don't know any other business that has that good of a rate on anything they do, and that is by law has to be recorded by the state and the state vets. And so if they come and they start telling people are telling you that, you know, they're, we're lying about the statistics go, well, okay, well then why, why is the state board, you know, you think, do you really think a veterinarian is going to risk his license for a rodeo or for somebody to not, to, to just not report a broken leg or a, or a problem with an animal. So you, you can hit them with all kinds of stuff like that, but they don't want to hear it and they don't want to, they won't listen to it for the most part, but you have facts on your side. That is true of also hunting and fishing because the reason why we dis we're discussing this topic and bringing folks like you on the show is because there's a lot of parallels to the animal rights crusades against hunters, anglers, rodeo, cowboys, farming, ranching, it's all intertwined. And that's why I think it's extremely important to highlight this because they're not just stopping with one area, they're expanding uh, altogether to get rid of anything resembling normalcy um, and really, you know, push anti-science kind of uh, thinking and musings out there into the public and, and be guided by emotion. And you can't have these decisions, uh, whether it's rodeo or wildlife management or, or, um, horses, you know, decided by emotion because then it leads to untold problematic things. And so I um, know it's a big hurdle and I appreciate having someone like you on to talk about what's happening on the rodeo side. And, and Dave, if people want to connect with you, support Western justice, learn more about your efforts, help to protect rodeo, where would you like to send them to and how would you like them to get involved? So our, our website is www.westernjustice.info. Um, we are, uh, our 501c4 is a membership-based, very similar structure to the NRA. We're membership-based. It's tiered. The only thing we don't do is uh, we're, we're not, we don't give out a lot of free bags because we haven't gotten to the point for <laughs> to be able to do all that yet, you know, but we're, we are the fastest growing organization out there of its kind. And we, we need to be, I mean, honestly, if you, you put the, the ranching, the Western horse world and the rodeo world together, we are one of the largest, most financially well-heeled demographics out there. So bringing, when I get everybody to come together, this is going to be a very large group and a very strong group. The other, you know, one of the other initiatives we're also doing is I'm being asked to, to be the basically the Ralph Reed of get out the rural American vote because people just don't trust a lot of the things going on right now within not not only the voting or or just they don't trust people in general, the politicians that are asking to vote. So they with me being a trusted source in the Western world, they want me to step into that role so we're going to be pushing our get out the rural american vote we have we also built a platform that people need to start using we have a 
We have a platform of our own called Rural America in Action, and it is a uh, crowdfunding surveys and polls and petition site. So we have basically a change.org, a GoFundMe, and a and a survey monkey all in one platform. We pay we one of my big donors put a lot of money into getting this thing up and going. And it's a uh, you know where people are have you know people go and they when they use ch- some of these other sites, if you go look at where they donate their money to and they donate to these environmental groups and these uh, animal rights groups and people like that, that is scary to me because these these businesses make a lot of money. Change.org has fi- over 500 million users worldwide. And they are funding a lot of the people that are trying to ruin our food supply and our way of life. They're, they're helping to donate to them. So come use our platform, Rural America in Action. It's a, it's a great platform. It's real easy to use. And that'll save from having those people get the money that they get, you know, and that's uh, that's a big deal to me. I'll include all the links to the show notes. Dave, it was wonderful catching up with you and learning more about. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. If you enjoyed what you heard today, go leave us some reviews on Apple and Spotify or wherever podcasts are played. Your feedback will help us reach more people. And I love to know what is on your mind after each episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat or a guest announcement because that is our way of updating all of you listeners. And we have just hit a thousand followers on Instagram for the podcast account. Thank you very much. And if you have any guest suggestions or topics you want to hear on the show, I'm all ears. I would love to hear your feedback there. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.